0: Tony, I still think, you know, maybe you are inspiring me to do a a woodworking class for (laughs) pre-beginners, right? It's like, it's like an, it's it's an emotional, it's about emotional regulation and how you can overcome that, that story, the story that you have in your head that you can't. Kind of liberating, right? Yeah, it's a story. It's a story. <laughs> i can see him tomorrow
1: with a chainsaw in his front yard just cutting down beautiful trees. I'll stop him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Todd Harrington, and you're listening to the Gray Matters Podcast. Along with my co-host, Tony Hoyland, each episode explores a special guest's lifelong passion. There'll be a bit of nostalgia, but mostly is our guest's personal story of how they discovered their passion and how it evolved over the years. Welcome to the Gray Matters Podcast. Woodworking is something that many of us did briefly in life, maybe a required class in middle school, like what do they call it, shop or something like that. For others it becomes a passion a lifelong passion for a variety of reasons and one of those people is my older brother scott harrington in a nutshell scott has spent most of his life definitely his entire adult life giving back for decades as a teacher and a principal in a middle school the most challenging years for any kid even for teachers as well to then deciding to return to school in his early 60s to get his lmsw as a clinical social worker continuing his purpose in life of giving back by counseling individuals and families in inner city Baltimore. Through it all, his refuge, call it his creative escape, uh, personal passion has been woodworking. Uh, Without further ado, meet my older brother, my gray matters brother, Scott Harrington. Hello, Scott.
0: (laughs) Hey, Todd. Gray matters. Well, there's not much gray. It's the hair is not there, but I hope the rest is yeah. doing pretty
1: well. You're in the category. <laughs> Thanks for the introduction. Before we start, you might hear some other person laughing and talking every now and then. I'd like to introduce my and co-host. We call him my Ed McMahon, Mr. Tony Hoyland. Tony, say <laughs> well, hello to my big bro, Scott.
2: I'm, I'm not quite that heavy, so don't pick <laughs> Ed McMahon exactly. Okay. I don't okay. wear glasses. Okay. Um, hey, Scott, how are you, man? Good, Tony. How good are you? Good to meet you. Very well, nice thank you. Nice to
1: meet you. So let's tell the listeners a little bit about some basics. So when did you first put the tool in your hand and get the wood going, pursuing your interests, hmm. and how did it become a lifelong passion?
0: Sure. I mean, I love thinking about that. It, it does go way back, because I always I loved making things. Um, I know our dad was not good at really making things, and I think I kind of ended up being the one often to fix things and and but i always <laughs> i always like to build and and i don't know if you would remember but a family friend uh knowing that came over one day when i was about 12 and helped me build a workbench in the basement who is that freddie came over and and yeah actually and, pete bliss
1: Pete bliss okay well we won't go too into details of personal life
0: <laughs> that was a real start to it though i was just a you know guy who tried to put things together and didn't know anything but i think one of the things was i just like being by myself too
1: basically the the journey uh started a long ago and and, but something happened that you stuck with it because you had a lot of you know creative interest so why woodworking
0: i think it was what it still is i think just the creation of something i mean wood can be really cool and beautiful all by itself but taking it and then making something with it. I think making something with it and then saying, Whoa, I did this. You know, I, that's what I love, you know, working with kids around it because it's that, Whoa, it's that creative piece that really anybody can do. And it's, it is what I love about woodworking. I mean, there are certain creative things that not anybody can do like painting or drawing. I believe that anyone can make, you know, a beautiful piece of furniture or something if you just have the patience, do the measurements right. So I think it's, I think it really is this, whoa, I created something, something that's useful. Um, I think the other thing is just like any kid likes to give gifts that he or she made, you know, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, painted rock or <laughs> whatever or mm-hmm. whatever it is. And so I think that, that definitely, because, you know, I can remember, early on making say mom a little box for her um, recipe or index card recipes and and that sort of thing you know so i think it's the it's the creative piece to it and it's the account you know kind of like an accomplishment thing but it was also that you got to do it by yourself and i <laughs> i am an introvert and i like you know i like doing things by myself so
1: well you seem to you, you did a lot of different things. I've seen them, cutting boards, utensils, furniture, but you really started focusing
0: on bowls. Why yeah. bowls? Hmm. Well, it, it's a really good beginning because when I was working at a, at a boarding school, um, most people knew that I, I liked to do stuff. I, I grabbed a little room in the basement and set up my table saw. And this sweet young man in, who worked in the kitchen, said to me hey my dad just passed away and he had a, a lathe would you be interested in it <laughs> and actually that was the beginning i said sure i've never done this before um and so i taught myself how to turn as that's what it's called when you make bowls on a lathe it's called turning and there are just so many awesome things about turning and one is that you really don't have to purchase any wood because you just grab a log and you put it on the lathe and you, you know, you make a bowl. And so um, it, it, it added this, a new dimension of loving wood, because now I, I realized that finding the right piece of wood and how I could help it emerge from a, from a log to a bowl, that was a whole nother dimension of this is really cool stuff to do. You know, and so um, I think that's where I actually became a lover of wood, because now I was out in the woods looking for, you know, trees that had fallen down with my chainsaw and and grabbing pieces to make into something beautiful.
2: We own one of those. And I remember, I think you had like a thing going on at your house Todd like you yeah. know Scott was in town and it was an opportunity to come meet him and maybe buy a bowl Julie bought one and she says you know I bought this bowl I'm kind of like what <laughs> 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 and she she brought it home I can't tell you how I mean it blew me away man it is completely beautiful and astonishing
1: did you actually do any woodworking Tony growing up
2: uh, you know, when you say that anybody can do it, I'm the guy who can't do it. I mean, like, I'm, I'm your dad times 10. I, I, can, I can open a door and I can change a light bulb. That's it. That's how handy yeah, it is. So, nice. so no nice. woodworking. No. no.
0: But you could. I no, promise no, you, you no, could. No. No, no, no. <laughs> you I, go. I'm good at other things. I, I think the, the amazing thing really back to, you know, about turning is that you can bring out the beauty of wood even more. And now I I recognize when I see a log how it might look really cool. And it's still, I mean, I've been doing this a long time. When that bowl on the lathe starts to emerge, I look at it like, holy smoke, this is beautiful. And it's the wood. I mean, I like to think of myself as revealing the beauty of wood. You know, I'm not, I didn't do any of the, all the figuring in wood, you know, I didn't, create that I just like let it you kind of released it well, what kind of
1: wood do you actually prefer and, and you mentioned something about going out with your chainsaw like what kind of wood is just is it like one you prefer is it, I, I read something that some woods are softer and easy to work with right. are there your choice woods that you would go with
0: yeah you don't really turn um soft woods I mean you can but you know most of the bowls you use are, are called hardwoods and um uh, there i i my cherry used to be my favorite um but you know maple is also can be extremely beautiful because of this kind of wavering look you know you've heard of bird's eye maple mm-hmm. uh, that sort of thing um walnut is an elegant wood that i like to work with um elm is extraordinary grained figuring too but a lot of it is where in the tree the piece of wood comes from so mm-hmm. but it's mostly I'd say those maple cherry walnut uh, elm um, they are you know I'd say the hot the, the best
1: So you literally walk around uh, your neighborhood with a chainsaw uh, yeah, and so People I mean, I know. I know Tony walks around when he goes out to bars with a chainsaw, but I mean, do you... <laughs> That's you the actually the girls. <laughs> exactly. Do you really, like... I mean, obviously, is it after a storm
0: or something? I mean, it's yeah, sort of cutting yeah. for... So, oh, okay. so yeah. Most people... But people know that I do this since I, ah. you know, like, one, <laughs> I used to do those fairs. <laughs> yeah, no, no. But I used to do those craft shows, and so people have my bowls, and they call me up when they need one, but they also know if they have to have a tree taken down they call me first and say, hey, Scott, you, would you like any of this tree? I think it's a maple tree, you know? And um, and then what I do is I take as much as I can. I used to carry, you know, take care of my little poor Prius, but um, but then I'll just, one of the bowls I make, I'll just give it back to them, you know, as a thank you for the wood. So yeah, it's, it's I, I have more wood than I could ever imagine, even from, you know, within a mile radius, less than that because everybody around me kind of knows I do it. So they say, take this, please take this wood. That's cool. The thing that I also love is that that tree is going to get chipped up and sent to the pellet, you know, mill or mm. whatever. And I'm going to turn instead, I'm, or I'm going to save it from the fireplace. I'm going to turn it into a bowl. I find a like, I like yeah. the idea that it's, you know, it gets a second life. Yeah, if I, if I can get to it first.
1: Is there, how long does a bowl take? Is there a part of the process that you like more? And when does it start to go from chipping and chiseling to lays, et cetera?
0: That's a, that's, yeah, that's a good question. So most turners that do it for a living do what's called green turning, which basically means you're gonna turn as soon as the, you can after the tree comes down. You know, you can, if you're not a regular turner, you would buy wood that's already dry and stuff. but returners what they do is they get a log they slice it you know in half and put it on the lathe and then you do what's called rough turning Mm -hmm. which actually is kind of one of my favorite parts because you're not really worried a lot about the final piece you're getting it roughly to the shape that it wants to be in um and you leave it very thick one of the things i love is that if you do turn a bowl soon after it comes down while you're chisel, it's turning really fast. And while you're doing a chisel, it'll spray you with water because wow. it's still green and wet. Um, and then, but now I have to let it dry and it takes a bowl, a 10 inch bowl, maybe about four or so months to dry. And so you have to put it aside. You have to do something to it to keep it from splitting. Uh, I coat it with a wax. Because if it's, as it dries, it's very likely to split. Like you look at the end of a log, how it splits. Mm-hmm. Um, but you put it aside, it has to you know, dry out before you can finish the turning. Then what you do is you it's all kind of warped a little bit and stuff. And then you put it back on the lathe four months later. And then you turn, it's called turn out that warp. And then you do the final stages and then you put the finish on. I mean, my least favorite is you, you have to sand a little bit. Um, you know, and before you put the oil on. But I think my favorite part is the first stage, you know, well, from chainsaw to rough turn.
1: Did you say four months you have to wait before you Yeah, you
0: just you just put it aside, you know, it's just and, and have... you, so you'll like, I'll if I decide I'm gonna spend a, a good time of a weekend um doing bowls, I'll line up a bunch of logs, slice them up and I'll rough turn you know, a dozen to 20 or so, and then they'll just sit aside in in, in the garage, um, you know, piled up on each other waiting to be that next stage. You know? wow. So, so usually I have a stockpile of one and then you can leave them for you can leave them at that stage forever. I mean, I, you know, they're bowls that I haven't finished turning that are a couple years old, but
2: Scott, how long have you, would you say that you've been, you know, kind of focused primarily on the, on the bowls?
0: Uh, let me see, I was, uh, I was probably, I would say 25 years.
2: Wow. Damn. They're amazing. I'll tell you, I mean, I'm curious, my, when Julie brought it home, I think we must have a salad bowl. It's pretty big. My, immediately I wanted to touch it and like, you know, run my Mm -hmm. hand along the side. Is that common?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what people, when they pick up my bowl, and it's it's the process, I mean, it's going to be different than the bowls you buy a crate and barrel or something, partly because they don't want the kind of wood that I work with. I want wood that's kind of been compromised a little bit, maybe has a little bit of decay or something that Mm -hmm. creates a cool look. But then it's that sanding and polishing process, because I want to put enough finish on it so that it preserves the wood but I want to put as little as possible so that you still, you get the feeling of the wood and, and, Mm -hmm. and that's going to take a lot of, you know, that's that final sanding and, and polishing stage, but that's it. I think people really, that's what they say when they pick up a bowl they go, God, this feels so good in my hands. That's why I also like to make really little bowls too, because people just like to, you know, like hold it in their, you know, hand or rub their, you know well you need wrapped. to make
2: like a really tiny one that people can like put in their pockets yeah exactly. <laughs> oh i'll tell <laughs> for, you oh my gosh. i
0: oh no they they yeah. do i have a friend who does that he oh wow. my gosh he started doing it uh it's it's more like a four-pointed thing but it's it's uh uh, concave in all these different places That's exactly why he's done just it, rub it. And, oh yeah, my gosh. it's it wow. beautiful yeah it it's I, I, it's very cause cool cuz you do
2: kind of get that satisfaction from from feeling this thing it's oh, it's yeah, just sure. it's awesome it's interesting yeah. hearing you talk about the woods and the process of you know getting the wood i have a friend who's a a, a luthier i think it is a guitar maker in houston mm-hmm. uh, and he does a very similar thing you know mm-hmm. he's out getting the wood and and the, he'll post it on facebook these beautiful woods in his workshop It's very mm. cool
0: yeah well that's a and you know i will you know sort of stand aside well that's a that's a fine craft i mean that i think of mine as a more um what, what leisurely you know, kind of large okay. muscle craft <laughs> Large I muscle. Is, like, I you. no you're good. absolutely
2: right that's like an it's almost like you, those guitars have to be engineered i mean yeah oh my gosh yeah yeah, 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 yeah very meticulous yeah, yeah.
1: Well, one thing you said something a moment ago, which uh, I remember, is that you like the wood, the imperfections. And you like to focus and pull those because otherwise it's just another bowl, right? Right. From, you know, crate and barrel or something. So I really recall those kind of imperfections in the woods. And people wanted those more when you were selling Mm -hmm. them because they're unique. So we got a good 101 on woodworking and everything. I wanted to go dig a little deeper into the classroom and how you bring it home to the, your workshop and anything, mm-hmm. is there a correlation and has it helped you as a school administrator and now as a clinical social worker, do you see the relevance? And then I want to you know find out what you've learned in the workshop that you've, as I said, taken the classroom and vice versa.
0: Well, I think, you know, just to, to update people, this is a second round in terms of, graduate work in counseling because I did a school counseling degree a million years ago. And it was there actually that I start to think about this. And I wrote an essay in the graduate school. It was called the importance of industrial arts education at the high school level. And really what that was about was, I mean, I think of guys in our high school who probably wouldn't have stayed necessarily in high school if they hadn't been for power mechanics Mm-hmm. or woodworking or something like that. And I think it's that self-esteem boost, that confidence that you can get when you develop a skill like that. Right. And so that's what I figured when I, so when I got into, you know, I'm going to say, eight, nine, year, ten years ago, I started teaching it to kids. Um, and that was the, oh, wow. I mean, I knew this myself, but I didn't think about giving it to kids as much, but when you are with a little kid that maybe has not ever made anything and they end up with this birdhouse, they go, I made that, you know? And so I think that kind of bringing out, uh, your ability, your skill, your, you know, whatever, so that you, you actually feel a little bit better about yourself. And so that's kind of the,
1: yeah well well i looked in something that i I think i mentioned this uh, is it maybe i'm pronouncing wrong froebel approach uh is that f-r-o-e-b-e-l approach to teaching it said it stresses that play drives learning play meets the biological need to discover how things work education believes that play is purposeful and not idle and that meaning is created through hands on play Mm -hmm. and i think that kind of I was reading something about woodworkers and how these, to your point earlier, about I made that, I can do that, or people who didn't think they could, were good in school. Like, I created that. There's a right. sense of satisfaction.
0: I think it's the, that play um, around learning is, is critical for kids. This is another level because it's not only this doing, this activity, this fun, there is that accomplishment piece, you mm-hmm. know, because, and, and the other piece of it, is the incredible skill that it teaches. And I'm not talking about woodworking. I mean, any kid, as I said, Tony, any, really don't, you could do it. Any, 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 any kid could do it, (laughs) but what they need is they need patience, right? Mm. They need patience. They need the ability to follow directions and they need to learn to measure accurately. Think about I mean if kids could learn those skills as a school as a student. Yeah. Think think of all the stuff that that translates into, you know, being a better student in all their subjects.
1: That's kind of what I was getting at like middle school being so difficult, working that into your your time there must have been critical with some of the students who are struggling. You started a foundation Woodworker on Wheels, I believe, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. And so that was where you took your, your skills into inner-city Baltimore.
0: Right. What was that like? Yes, the, the, it's a fun story to tell because... So I had been teaching at my independent school in Baltimore, right? And, and I had a friend who was part of this organization from the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra called Ork Kids, and they were taking music into underserved populations in schools and, and giving kids instruments and seeing what happens and they had huge success and when i went to one of their concerts i got talking to the director afterwards i said you know what you see what you see happens to a kid when they get an instrument in their hand the same thing happens when they get a tool in their hand wow and and so we got talking and that summer because this program went all year long so that next summer i taught in or kids. so all the kids walking around with their instruments but once the once a day some of them got to come and actually make birdhouses you know all the you know we'd be we were out in the hallway we didn't get a classroom we were just out in the hallway with our you know attaching wood to the lunchroom tables and stuff but they made birdhouses and so that was the beginning and so i did that a second summer and then the next year i said okay this is really cool so i used to leave my regular principal job friday afternoon early and go to a school in the city and teach in an after school program which then then led to my leaving my job as a principal to do that full time so it was it was really it was kind of like this this uh the or kids the kids who did the you know the music we just kind of made i uh, made helped to make this connection with the director of that saying you know, they can do that, they get the same satisfaction and, and sense of accomplishment by learning to use their hands to build something.
1: I mean, he must have been the, 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 watching those kids who some of them had nothing, you know, maybe they were playing music, music but never. Had, touched a tool or worked yeah, with wood yeah, it, that, yeah. that just it's kind of like when i read a book to a child you know that i've written or something it's just that moment where you've you know you've tapped into something different mm-hmm. um and you really enjoy it uh-huh. so that foundation um how long did you do that for the so i did was? that
0: so between when i started that summer um to when i technically stopped doing it when i went back to school it was about four years but i only did I did that full, full-time, so I left my principal job and did it full, full-time, which means I taught it all day at different schools and after schools. I did that for a year, and, and you know, the thing that's kind of stood in the way of my doing it more was just that I think I couldn't do the kind of mentoring that I wanted to because mm. there, was so, there were lots of issues around safety and things like that that we, we worked through, but you know, it just wasn't quite what I hoped it would be. So
2: I remember, I um, oh god, probably three, or four years ago. Todd shared a beautiful, like, promotional video. I think of this this thing that mm. you're talking about, foundation, did, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. Good yeah, memory. That, that was great. Yeah, no, it was mm-hmm. beautiful, beautifully done.
0: Yeah, and then and one of the speakers in it was the director of that Orchids. Kids, and he did. I remember he talked about you know these ancient tools which i it's all hand tools that i work with these kids you know these kids had never actually prop most kids had never even held one in their hand a saw or a hammer and one of the cool things i remember was one one afternoon when we were doing a demonstration to any parents or grandparents who'd come by one of the schools where i was working um to see what they were doing and so we had a little booth and i said you know what i want to see if my kids Know what they're talking about and turn it over to these little second graders. Oh my oh gosh, my God. it was adorable to watch them talk about the way to hammer a nail properly. Mm. You know, it was just great. <laughs> you
1: know, Tony can't hammer nails, so he should have been on that class with you. Keep all um, hammers away from me. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's
2: not something that's pretty to, to watch.
1: Well, that, uh, so why uh, drifting a little bit away from woodworking just because we mention it. So why go back? Why leave teaching to do, get your LMSW, clinical social worker? Is it something that you just want to go to the next level of counseling or had enough yeah. of teaching?
0: I think it's a kind of a combination of that. I mean, my favorite part of being an educator and even a principal was working with the kids and families who were struggling, right? Mm. Um, I, was a, I was a principal at the same place for 20 years and I supervised the same faculty for 20 years and that got old, really old. And <laughs> so I was ready to give up administrator's life um, and get down to back to more individual stuff. And in order to do it with a population, the city population that I want to, I needed a license, even though I already had a master's in counseling. That was from too long ago. So, you know, and I'm glad I I went that route to social work because it gave me a whole new perspective on ways to connect with people and and, you know, help them find their, you know, strengths and
1: all i think uh this has been amazing i I mean i look forward to seeing i haven't seen your workshop in years Uh, i gotta check it out and i'm inspired now to hear more about what you're doing in the future with it and and tony might be signing up maybe together you'll create that class there you go Maybe, maybe
2: yeah. I no. mean, Scott, it's great hearing about, hearing, I've heard of you, but never really heard about you. And it's like, I mean, I've got to say, you have an incredible life. It seems like everything you do has like meaning and purpose. Yes.
0: Uh, honestly, I, I feel I do. And, and I've had my challenges in life that have led to this too. And, and I, oh my gosh, I feel very fortunate and honored to be doing what I'm doing now.
1: That's great. It's great. It's awesome. It's a great place to be. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Gray Matters Podcast. Please rate and review it and be sure to tell your friends too. For more information about this podcast, go to thegraymatters.org and please subscribe to the Gray Matters wherever you get your podcasts. I'd like to thank my guest, Scott Harrington, my co host, Tony Hoyland. And a special thanks to you, the listener. I'm Todd Harrington, until next time.